Poetry on Air with Sheboygan Poet Laureate Lisa Vihos. Hi, I'm Lisa Vihos, and this is Poetry on Air, a program of Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, in which we explore poetry and the meaning, inspiration, and healing it brings to our lives. My guest today is Marianne Hurt. Marianne is a widely published poet who lives in Wisconsin's Kettle Moraine. She is passionate about environmental issues, and her latest book, which she will be reading from today, is called Once Upon a Tar Creek, Mining for Voices, and it's a real testimony to her passion for the environment. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and t- to tell you about Tar Creek. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here to tell us this amazing story. And, you know, normally we have, I have my guests share some poems that have inspired them and then they read some of their own work. But I, with you today, I really wanted to just focus on the book and on this amazing story that you uncovered and have documented with your poetry. So let's start at the beginning and have you share how you first came upon Tar Creek. Well, I'm thinking that was close to 30 years ago now. Okay. I was in Oklahoma for a family reunion. My grandpa was a lead and zinc miner down there, and my grandma and great-grandma both worked at the Quapaw Indian Agency when Oklahoma was still Indian Territory. So I was down in Oklahoma to visit family and go to a family reunion, Mm -hmm. and I got up really early the morning of the reunion, and I went down to Tar Creek. Um, I had not really encountered Tar Creek prior to that time. Uh, it was right near the place where my mom and I were staying, and I got down to the creek, and I thought someone had vandalized the creek. <laughs> the water was orange. The creek banks were just neon bright orange. Oh, my goodness. I thought someone had purposely vandalized the creek, something yeah. terrible. And at that point, I wanted to know everything I possibly could about how this could happen to this body of water. Yeah. And I started digging. And you dug, and you dug. And I dug, and I dug, and I dug. (laughs) Yes, exactly. you found stuff out. Now, was it on that very first visit that the poem that begins the book arrived, or was that on a next visit? I think it was the next visit. Okay. Because when I went back down there again for another family reunion, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or to visit family, friends, whatever it was, I knew I needed to get down to Tar Creek again, because by that time, I started really reading about Tar Creek and trying to figure out things. And I read something about... Tar Creek is the worst environmental disaster no one has heard of, and I wanted to know about this place. Yeah. And I got down to Tar Creek early in the morning, and I was staring at the water thinking that I would see some really strange things. I saw some turtles, and they were, I thought, maybe extra appendages or something crazy like that. Yeah. When something came out of the water that basically changed my life and made me know I had to write and know everything I could. And it looked like a snake, and it looked like a bird, and I still don't really know what it was. But we we made some kind of pact with each other that day, and and you and you be, and you wrote a poem about it. I did. Let's hear it. And I was feeling I was kind of leery about starting the book out with sort of a strange creature, but it seemed like it was a really important. I think so. Part of this life That's story. A good beginning. Uh, the poem was titled "The Tar Creek Monster Speaks," May twenty ninth, nineteen ninety four, Miami, Oklahoma. I didn't always look this way. At one time, my feathers ruffled sunlight, made the whole world feel brand new. In those days, skinny dipping boys belly flopped, dog paddled down this creek, then cast lines for my brother fish. Supper for whole families back then in depression time. Now I lay low, don't show my face, know what a fright I really am, some kind of freak, half bird, half snake, some kind of hybrid nobody wants to see. 
but one dawn, the sun too sweet to hide from, I chance my way back to Tar Creek. Don't expect nobody, this just start of light, blooming to full-blown day. I feel the heat let go my dread, look up and see a woman staring straight on, no fear either. Appears we had this all planned, 6.05 a.m., Tar Creek Bridge, just east of NEO College, May 29, 1994. We take measure of each other. No right is rain. This is who was ready to hear the stories. That woman was you. Yeah, that woman was me, <laughs> yes. Oh, and yeah. so from that, that otherworldly contact, I mean, your journey had begun to some extent with Tar Creek, but once you met the creature, that was it. you were... You I was were destined. You were, you were, I, yes. you were chosen. And so you began to just, you, you began to unearth all kinds of things, uh, stories of the indigenous people from that area, stories of the miners, um, all sorts of injustice to people, to the land, to the water. And uh, you just wrote this amazing book. And it, the last thing I love about your book is it's, your poetry, and it's also full of all this really interesting documentation. So, you know, we can get an idea of, you know, the history, not just from your poems, but from the, the actual words themselves in, in documents and in photos. It's wonderful. Um, I really wanted this book to be a book that people that don't read poetry might also read. Yeah, and I think you, you hit that sweet spot of <laughs> pulling together so much information. Um Share one of the the Quapaw Indian poems. Are there's is there one that you want to share the most? Yeah, I think um, a poem that's titled "Incompetent Restric- Incompetent Restricted Quapaw Indian," about fifty years old, and I'm using the language of the, the source yeah. from a book from the 1920s that was titled "Oklahoma's Poor Rich Indians: An Orgy of Graft and Exploitation." Hmm. That book had one little tiny piece of information about Quapaw people, and that was the tribe that was most affected by the lead and zinc mining and the okay. toxic after effects. Okay. Uh, it's titled, Incompetent Restricted Quapaw Indian, about 50 years old, 1924, Griffin Cemetery, Quapaw Indian Agency, Oklahoma. Now you see him, now you don't. There he is lined up with the old Quapaw men. Still had his hair those days, all smoky black braids. Look careful again. See his fist. Hold that old lump of lead. He carried it back then and made him rich. But now they call him crazy, incompetent. Give him a guardian. Send him to Hiawatha and Santa Sound for Indians way up in South Dakota. No more money, no more self. Do-gooders write a book. Oklahoma's poor rich Indians an orgy of graft and exploitation. Get folks all stirred. Close down Hiawatha. Town fathers buy up the place, build themselves a golf course right over his crazy dead Indian brothers and sisters. Back to the Indian agency. Mute now. Lips so tight. Now you hear them. Now you don't. Mm. I love the way you take that language that, that was being used, you know, that was so inhumane, and you kind of give it this ironic twist, and it's like... What are you people talking about? <laughs> I, I I'm talked with his great-great-niece. Okay. And she was pretty horrified that I wanted to write about him because really? it was kind of a really horrible, sad, hmm. scary story in her family history. I believe that was a lot of the issues. That he had been institutionalized. Right. And, mm-hmm. But she did tell me um, that when he came back, he no longer spoke. Mm-hmm. He was mute. Mm-hmm. 
I was able to get a hold of his medical records, which is really crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but from like... Did you, you know, have to flash your nurse's badge or, or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> but like close to, uh, from about 100 years ago, um, wow. still, the records were still um, available. Mm-hmm. And a woman had written about the Hiawatha and St. Asylum for Indians. And she had one little thing about Robert Thompson, this man. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like he had a stroke. Okay. And that might have been why he was no longer speaking. But I also think he might have just lost his voice because... Some really terrible things that happened to him. Yeah. Oh, man. Heavy-duty stuff and um, things that we shouldn't forget happened, even though we might not like hearing about them. Yeah. Um, what about some of the, the miners, the situation for them? Um, the poem, The Shoveler, kind of had jumped out at me. Can you share that one? Sure. Hang on. One of the interesting things that I found when I was digging for information is that there was a woman living in Miami, in Oklahoma, a beautician who was just wanting to document everything she possibly could about all the accidents and deaths that happened in the mines over the years. Mm -hmm. And she told me that she would gather all her money, or all her dimes, Mm -hmm. after work and go to the library and go on the microfilm and plug in money to make copies. Interesting. And ended up with a huge two-volume uh, collection called The Killed and Injured in the Mines of Ottawa County. Oh, wow. So I read pages and pages of these stories. She let you do that? Well, it was in the library. It's a book in the library. Oh, it's a book in the library. Yeah, she compiled yeah. it all. and Oh, amazing. Yeah, okay. amazing woman. Anyway, so this is a shoveler. February 2nd, 1939, Douthat, Oklahoma. Someday you'll find me all written up in the Miami Daily News record, maybe even all permanent bound in the killed and injured in the mines Ottawa County book. But today, just see me down deep doing what I've been doing, what seems like some kind of forever. Yeah, I got pride. You don't get these kind of muscles just sitting on your butt. I fill those cans 1,250 pounds lead zinc full. more I send up, the more my pockets get filled. My wife, she's all worried, thinks this old cough of mine is getting worse but I got mouths to feed and I will keep going down. When your time is up, it's up. Don't make no difference fretting about it. Today is just another day. Who knows anyway about tomorrow? Hmm. Who knows anyway yeah. about tomorrow? Uh, one of the crazy things that I learned about is the 1930s, this county had the highest TB tuberculosis death rate in the United States. Wow, from the, the poison of the lead and the zinc? Well, or? it was the, more the, the dust from the, the mines. dust, okay. Right. Okay. That would lead to silicosis, and then the living conditions were really poor, which then further... Didn't help. Didn't help. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, what about Ottawa County's first public health nurse starts to wonder? Did Yeah, I was real interested in this because I was you a nurse most, yeah, I was a nurse most a nurse, of my life. Yes. yes. <laughs> You could imagine yeah. her uh, situation. Let's hear that one. Okay. This kind of fascinated me, too, because I'm thinking um, it sounds like at the end of her life she started thinking that maybe it wasn't just the miners' fault. But initially she was ready to think of those miners if they had just been following what they should have been doing. Ah, okay. But, she, yeah. got a, she had an awakening. Yeah, I hope she did anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ottawa County. These, these poems, um, this one's a persona poem. These poems are persona poems yeah. talking on the voices of uh, folks and creatures and inanimate yes. objects. And some of them are narrative poems. But this okay. one is a narr- um, persona poem by the Ottawa County's first public nurse, 1926 to 1949, the Pitcher Mining Field. For 23 years, I did the work. 
first public health nurse in the mining district, Tri-State Zinc and Lead Ore Producers Association, my employer. Back in 26, typhoid, smallpox, diphtheria raged. Later drove down how many kids down to the Talahina TB Sanitarium. Kept pounding education, an ounce of prevention, and a pound of cure. Could hardly convince these hard-headed miners. Depression come along. Our producers uh, furnished shoes for 503 kids. The men went out on rabbit hunts, rabbit hunts, clubbing them out in the fields, day-old bread and rabbit. At least they had, they ate and had shoes on their feet. Some say I was the welfare department. Don't know about that. You're a nurse. You do what you got to do. But I think about all that bad breathing. Report came out in 52. The greatest hazard lies in the failure of individual miners to use proper methods. I'm starting to wonder. Guess I'll never really know. Hmm. So she questioned. At the end, anyway. Yeah. Was it really the failure of the miners? Or yeah. Was there something else? Yeah, there's a little more to that story than just. Yeah. What a what an interesting um, position for her to be in and then to come to that awareness, right? Yeah. I wish she was still alive, but I would love to have talked to her. <laughs> that would have been great. Yeah. We're back with Poetry on Air. I'm Lisa Vijos, and my guest today is Marianne Hurt, author of Once Upon a Tar Creek, Mining for Voices. Let's get back to the poetry. I loved that you came up with some stories of famous people that who had had some connection to the area around Tar Creek. There's a poem about Mickey Mantle, which was very interesting. But I jumped to Bonnie and Clyde, and I was hoping you could read the, the poem in... Uh, it's in the voice of Bonnie, right? It's yes, her. It is. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear that one. Well, first off, people probably don't realize that Bonnie was a poet besides a gangster. I didn't know. Now you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, poem is What Rhymes with Poet. This is uh, Bonnie without Clyde, a poet and a prophet. If you're reading this, it's all hindsight, and I can't even figure how I'm getting this all communicated to you. But back a few months, we shoot dead two officers out in Grapevine and end up off this here Texas road, seeing all these mountains of chat. This is leftover mine tailings chat. Mm. Lead money to be found and get ourselves stuck in mud. Try flagging down help, but all we get is Police Chief Boyd and Constable Cal Campbell and a big shootout right here, there in Commerce, Oklahoma. Take out Campbell, kidnap the chief. Me time ticking away month later, payback, they shoot me up dead. You think I'd do any different? Probably not. But listen up a little more. Bet you didn't know I was a prophet and a poet. Sent Mama this poem. Someday they'll go down together and they'll bury them side by side. To a few it will be grief, to the law a relief, but it's death to Bonnie and Clyde. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you find, how did you learn about this? How did you know this? I mean, Bonnie and Clyde is a famous story, but how did you find your poem? Oh, digging. Digging. <laughs> digging. Uh, I might have found it on the internet, actually. Okay. But, um, and were you like shocked and surprised? And <laughs> Well, I knew about the shootout. That kind yeah. of fascinated me. Yeah. Um, the constable that was killed is buried in the cemetery where my great grandpa's founded the cemetery and is buried. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So that kind of fascinated me. I you know, went by the little place where they had the shootout and just started thinking about Bonnie and Clyde going through there, and I wanted to know more. And I yeah. started asking questions. And One thing led to another, and yeah. there was a poem. There was a poem. So Commerce isn't too far from where Commerce is part of that tri-state mining district. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, and you mentioned before this notion of the persona poems, and and there's some really interesting ones that are in the voices of like you said, inanimate objects. And one that I particularly liked was, um, oh, what is it? Brother Lead and Cousin Zinc. Okay. Let's hear that one. Oh, and you, in the middle of the poem, you mentioned chat. Chat is like the leftover from... The mind tailings, right. The mind tailings. And there's okay. chat. Uh, when I said about the worst environmental disaster no one has heard of, when yeah. you go to that area, that mm-hmm. tri-state mining district area, you're going to see 200, 300 feet tall Piles of leftover chat blowing lead, toxic Even dust. Even still all today. Over. Yeah, they're trying to clean it up. But yeah, it's still there. It's still there. And wow. uh, yeah, so that's chat. So, okay. so kids there, you know. Playing it. Playing it. Yeah. yeah, and they make sandboxes with the chat. And, oh, my goodness. Or they used to. I mean, now yeah. they're realizing that it's really toxic. But I mean, at one time, it was really the playground of everybody. Oh, my goodness. All right. All right. This is Brother Lead and Cousin Zinc Want to Know. This is the Tri-State Mining District, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, 2016. Both of us now start to question just what if we stayed underground, laid low? How what if the whole U.S. of A. government had sent down whole bunches of brown-skinned folks to a land nobody wanted? And what if our mineral perfect selves hadn't been just right for ammunition, medicine, batteries, paint, makeup, print, gas, all the stuff people now just feel a right to? But there we were, ripe to be discovered, and suddenly we're a wilderness bonanza. Everybody wants a piece of us, wants back what first nobody wanted. All the finagling, swindling, but we're used up. Look at us, orange water, sinkholes, chat piles. We left our legacy, but oh Lord, what will become of any of us now? Mm. And in that's yeah, in your note, you mentioned that during World War One, it's estimated at least half of every bullet fired by an American was made of lead that originated in pitcher. Yeah, it's World War One and Two. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and World War Two. Yeah, All right. Kind of crazy Boy. to think about, huh? Yeah, and. Just all the destruction connected with that. Um, what about um, blowing in the wind chat pile? That's that's the very next poem in, right. in the book. Well, <laughs> now you know what chat piles are. These I, are these 200, yes. 300 feet tall yes. blowing lead toxic dust all over <laughs> creation. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, blowing in the wind chat pile, August 31st, 2009, Pitcher, Oklahoma. They list off my elements, cadmium, lead, zinc. I'm the leftover blowing in the wind answer, my friend. I slip through your pores, take hold of you, maybe even grow to become one. They say I'm toxic, but we've been neighbors for so long. You watch me out your window, make sandboxes for the kids, leap down, sled down, four-wheel down my crazy declines, fill your driveways and roadways. You think we'll carry you away, but we're home to each other. Share too much, too long to know how to leave now. Mm. The chat pile yeah, the chat has its uh, feels, yeah, <laughs> literally downside, right? <laughs> right. It it's like I belong here. Yeah. I, we've been neighbors. <laughs> yeah, we've been. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want to do with me now? Yeah, now what? Yeah. Oh, 
Let's see. Actually, there's one more chat-related. The chat rats. The chat rats. Reminisce. Okay, that's a good find, one. Let me find chat rats here. <laughs> when I was in when I am in Oklahoma, I'm just talking to all kinds of people, and it's really pretty fascinating to think about how people think about the chat and the orange water. Yeah. And one woman told me about her kids always swimming in Tar Creek, and they'd come back, and she said they were almost like like glittery orange mermaids. Oh my goodness! Can you imagine? Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. This is the chat rats reminiscing about the good old days. The year 2000, Pitcher, Oklahoma. Yeah, those were good times every day, all day, up and down the chat piles, then down to Tar Creek. Swim past floating dead dogs. Don't scare us chat rats none. Then up to that old junk fridge, right smack in the middle of the creek. Then climb up, jump off, just keep swimming. Sneak home, throw all those wet clothes quick in the dryer before Mama gets home. She didn't want us out at Tar Creek. Then someone tells us about a big old swarm of snakes sometime come chasing out of that junk fridge. No more going down that way. But you know, the water back then? Don't think it harmed us. Who knew? Wasn't all water kind of orange? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was the norm. That was the norm. Orange water. Yeah. Orange water, yeah. So we come back like glittery Glittery mermaids. mermaids yes. I mean. All part of the deal. Yeah. That's one of the things about uh, it being an environmental disaster, the level of lead in kids and people in that area is mm. some of the highest in the United States. Yeah. Which that's... really affects... I talked to teachers down there and mm -hmm. teaching kids that with really, really high lead levels was really, really difficult. Because it affects your memory. Memory and, and concentration. Yeah. All kinds of things, yeah. Mm. That's really an intense and frightening story right oh, i mean it's sure. like um you know you as you move through the book i mean you there's there's a poem called tar creek asks you to take another look and you kind of start to i mean as we're, we've already been deeply thinking about things now but this one for some reason this one uh definitely spoke to me yeah, the, creek, really, the, the creek talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> that was the crazy thing when I was working on this book and thinking about this. Mm. Uh, what we think of as inanimate objects became very real to me. They yeah. didn't feel like they were just some kind of out there something. Right. Uh, they had. They, yeah, they had voices that needed to be heard. Well, you gave it to them, yes, Marianne. <laughs> uh, so this is my repugnant Tar Creek orange self. Uh, <laughs> wants you to take another look. Miami, Oklahoma, April 2nd, 2016. I see folks stare right into my orange self like I'm some kind of repugnant aberration. Wonder what they see, reflection maybe? Always understood whatever we do to each other comes right back, maybe even tenfold. Folks might think about that when they let life carry on just like nothing they do or can do makes such much difference. Maybe, just maybe, when we really see each other for what we are and could be, someone will wake up, call the alarm, find the power to do something before it's too late. Mm. Even Tar Creek knows better get on the ball here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little worried. <laughs> yeah. And what was the, was it that the, the, the Quapaw, the name Quapaw meant? Downstream people. The downstream people. Right. And there's that notion that we're all downstream right. from something, right? Yeah. 
Was it Wendell Berry? Do unto others downstream as you would have those upstream do unto you. That was, was that a, Wendell Berry? That was Wendell Berry's. Yeah. Notion. Yeah. We got to get we got to get that in our heads, Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, yeah, knock some sense into ourselves. Yes. Yeah. What about? Um, we still have some time. What about fracking, Mama? That we that that's one that um, I found quite interesting. Fracking is what is fracking? Well, like, it's a way of extracting oil. Yeah, and it's really like. Violent, <laughs> violently, yeah. getting it out of the earth, and uh, Oklahoma now has some of the worst, um, highest incidence of earthquakes, which really? they are now stalling, calling frack quakes. Oh, I didn't know that. And wow. a real big um, center of that kind of action mm-hmm. is near where this is all taking place. Okay, and they're kind of thinking, boy, earthquake hits here, frack quake hits here. Things are really it's bad before. Mm-hmm could be a whole lot worse. Mm. So this is a, this is actually our Earth Mama talking. So this is the voice of the Earth speaking. Right. Earth Mama. Earth Mama. <laughs> fracking Earth Mama. <laughs> uh, November 5th, 2016, Cushing, Oklahoma. Some folks got a compulsion to dig, but you guys, you start messing with me, I get pain, real bad pain. And when I hurt, I shake, rattle, and quake. Then you too will know misery. But I've been thinking now about uh, we call a truce. Take care of each other. Remember Barry's scripture and do unto those downstream as you would have those upstream do unto you. Make those words true and good. Be family again. That's all the earth is asking. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Could you just be family? <laughs> family. <laughs> Pretty simple. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just you've done an amazing job is there is there one last poem you want to share i'm kind of thinking maybe the very last poem of the book okay let's have it uh i, I had gone down to the quapaw powwow mm. uh, gathering a few years back and i was watching these old men dancing and they they were old and pretty feeble yeah but it, i just just fascinated just thinking about what their lives were and yeah what, and um uh, this poem One came. man, I just kept watching because I knew a little bit about this man, and I and I saw his obituary a few months after the Aww. the powwow. So this is the old man at the Quapaw powwow, July fourth, two thousand nine, Quapaw, Oklahoma. He taps the dirt, dances loose and light. Here's fossil rhythms. The earth has held him so long. The young boy's fancy dance, flashy and fast, medium war beat, ruffle, crow hop, fast beat, strength and stamina. Someday the dirt will let us all go, then scudding leaves, free-falling clouds, maybe fox arteries. In the end, we become what we love. The echo still sings. Mm. The echo still sings. It's beautiful. It's been really great to have you on the show today, Marianne. Thank you for your, your devotion to Tar Creek and for writing this book. And I really encourage everyone to look for it and read it. Um, do you have a website? I have a website, too. What's your web address? Just MarianneHurt.com. Okay. Or just, yeah. MarianneHurt.com. Sure. It's That's on wonderful. Amazon, too, but if you can get it from your local yeah. bookstore, that is That's so much better. better. Or so from my better. publisher. So Yeah. Um, well, thank you again. And uh, thank you, listener, for joining us. If you have ideas for the show, please reach out to me at PoetLaureateSheboygan at gmail.com. And join us again next time for Poetry on Air.
You have been listening to Poetry on Air, hosted by Sheboygan's Poet Laureate, Lisa Vihos. Questions or comments can be directed to Lisa at poetlaureatesheboygan at gmail.com. Poetry on Air is produced in the studios at Reed Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.